Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I am one of your hosts and I am joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. What is supposedly fall on Summer the West Coast? Summer here. Yeah. It's going to get hot again in uh, in the Northwest and then go straight to winter, I think. It's all over the place. Sounds like California weather. Um, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community, so be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though, part of their community. I've gone so long without messing that up. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have to think about it anymore. And then I started thinking about it, and that's what messed me up. <laughs> it's like when you repeat the same again, and it's like. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so this is season five, episode 11, all the comfort of Hans in this episode. Um, also, we get introduced to our favorite character. She's doing the uh, Blue Steel from Zoolander. Directed her at Disney, just like their their market, and I think like they were trying to take someone who'd been trained to be a, to be a Nickelodeon Disney Channel style show actor, and that's the only thing they've ever done. And then just immediately put them both in the voice acting and to this to like do Marvel crossover to like saving money on contracts and cross promotions throughout their okay. you know different corporate wings, which I I understand why, but just this time it didn't work great and and i think maybe over time you know it's, it's really hard to say because a lot of those yeah. people who get started that way become totally legitimate actors and like you know i i have seen stuff with vanessa hudgens or selena gomez and they're not bad at all mm-hmm. like they're fine actors so I, I have faith that she's capable of more <laughs> but mm-hmm. overall like it's like yeah <laughs> i agree also I feel like her character is just not written very well. Like she was already just based like the character itself is kind of giving her a disadvantage because she's playing this like rebellious, like indignant teen. And that's always an annoying role, you know, especially in an adult show when you're not looking at it from the view of that. You're, you know, you're that person is not the protagonist, the main character of the show, and you're not seeing things from their perspective. Like we're seeing it as adults being annoyed being like oh this stupid teenager like just you know get with the program just listen to your mom like stop being crazy you know stop cutting people's arms off like you're a psycho like it feels not not unlike uh, in a weird way like cousin oliver and the cliche where they added him to the last couple episodes of uh the brady bunch to like right. to like add something like it has that feeling yeah. even though i don't think that's their intention at all just because it is a teenager because it is such a weird disconnect from the show yeah. that we know like even how it opens with the music and stuff in her room oh, yeah. like you're just like wait what oh no this again <laughs> yeah i feel like there's a commentary there because like how much of that is internalized misogyny from us and from perhaps the writers and the directors of like, hey, we can demonize this teenage girl because that's what everyone does. Anything that teenage girls seem to love, like Twilight, <laughs> you know, like things like that. Oh, oh, yeah. Twilight fan fiction, anything that is particularly ascribed to young women yeah. is is like derided in fandom and in general in our society. And yeah. I, 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 it's something that too, whenever I've been rewatching stuff lately, a little bit with the quarantine, I, I've been picking up on, in addition to more obvious stuff where people just say flat out, you know, homophobic or, yeah. or r- racist slurs, like where that stuff like really jumps out. I'm like, Oh, why do they have to come off so transphobic or, or why is it? Why, why do they have to use that language? I know it's era appropriate yeah. or whatever, just the way people spoke, but it's still like, gross that that's happening but uh, even more than that stuff that's like much more recent Mm -hmm. i i found that 
that's still an insult that people use probably maybe a year ago, but at least through like 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. like I'm hearing content that's not particularly problematic. I mean, it, it is because like you said, internalized misogyny and just, you know, just like internalized racism is just a side effect of our society. But, but I feel like a, a whole lot, there's this insult level where it's like, you throw like a girl or why don't you, you know, or they acted like a, like a teenage girl about yeah. it or whatever. It's like, why is that even an insult at all? Like, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Like, 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 like I can understand you're acting like a teenager, you're acting hormonal. That's a reasonable thing to say to a human that's an adult is may, maybe being emotional. It's not always necessarily the nicest thing, but I could see how it's not like laced with anything gross, you know, yeah. or subconscious, but why? Like, Teenage girls are have to go through some awful shit in our society, oh God, and yes. are some of the toughest motherfuckers in, that I know. So exactly. Like- yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting, and I feel like her room. We can talk about this more, like towards the end of the episode, I think. But her bedroom is in direct contrast to the environment that she is growing up in. She's like locked in her bedroom. Like I don't know. I guess comparison between like what she wants her reality to be versus what it actually is and like who she's being raised to be. And so of course this teenage girl is going to be fucked up. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, so it's not that like it's uncharacteristic of her to act the way she's acting. I feel like she's just trying to be as normal as possible and she just can't because of who she is and who her mother is and like where she's, where her fucking bedroom is. Like it's, I don't know. I, the, when I look, now that I'm rewatching this, I'm seeing that like how they wrote her was a lot smarter than I remember. Like just based off of like the way things are presented, um, I'm like I'm feeling like it's there's more intention in like how Ruby was presented to us than I feel like I remembered from for our first watch through of this. <laughs> I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think that I I think that there's two things that you're discuss you're just your brief analysis of it has kind of made me think about, which is one, maybe some of that like put on, you know, making the pouty face expression stuff that I attribute to having played a villain's child on <laughs> on, on, on the descendants, you know, their 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 fairy tale come to life, yeah. larger than life thing. Which is not entirely different from the idea of like a superhero thing, for sure. So I, I, I get even why they would think, oh, we can cast someone from that. It's basically Same Cinderella, yeah. like <laughs> superheroes or whatever. But uh, like, like I, I think that. So I think, and maybe in part because she is trying to be a, a kid so much, like maybe she is like trying to act like a kid that she's seen on TV. You yeah. know, like, like she's trying to. That's her only exposure to other people who are her age is through pop culture. Like you said, she's got like it's her room, her isolated life is the only thing she has that's even close to normal and she clearly craves something normal because yeah. her real life is so not is so regimented and and controlled and strict and militaristic and fucked up yeah and and then the other part i was considering is that it's just a natural side effect from our condensed schedule from their like half season yeah. thing that i can't help but wonder if some of the strengths and intention wouldn't be more apparent to us as viewers and it wouldn't feel like so such a jarring cousin oliver-esque addition or or like why is this kid being added to add ratings to whatever failing show because there's other there's countless shows i can think of even thinking of a shitty action show that i watched for a little while because it took place in the pacific northwest right. uh, grim oh, yeah, i remember that <laughs> yeah didn't love that didn't love that show but it like halfway through the show oh, the series they added a teenage grim a teenage monster hunter who was a teenage girl who lived with them for a little while left and came back and guest starred a couple times and it's like yeah they do that like just every once in a while shows are like oh we gotta 
Is it pulling like, the teenage audience? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's for those purposes. I don't think that's why they did it in this yeah, I don't necessarily, think so. necessarily, unless it's Jeff Loeb suggesting. <laughs> I would not be surprised. <laughs> but if if that is the case, then they did try to pull off something, like you said. Like I think there's some meta commentary for fandom. I think there's definitely commentary for how girls are forced to be something in our society, yeah. like like more more so than boys. Not to say that our society doesn't fuck everyone up, but it it's a very limited path for for women you know to be to feel i think accepted and feel like i don't know the, yeah it's interesting like like you, you you make a good case for it being maybe rushed and and not not the perfect casting and so i think that those things obscured maybe some of the intention and some of the quality behind it yeah um I also i feel like well we well let's let's get into the episode and we can yeah, let's, let's go this a little it. bit um because I'm sure Gina is like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? I haven't seen this yet. <laughs> so I'll explain. So uh, this Vague, vaguely referencing stuff. I know. Sorry, Gina. Um, so this episode was written by Drew Z. Greenberg, directed by Kate Woods, originally aired March 2nd, 2018, which I believe is a month. Like they took a month off between like the mid season finale and the this this episode. So Which which I guess makes sense since usually they'll take like yeah. three months off or yeah. two two and a half or whatever in the middle. Yeah. Um yeah. So anyway, my first note is oh god, it's Ruby. <laughs> so we get introduced. You know, it's music like it's a teenage girl's room. There's like posters, there's nail polish. It's a, well, it's a stereotypical teenage girl's room because I will tell you my teenage girl room did not look like this. So, but like, she's like laying on her bed, listening to music with her headphones on. Like she's like laying the wrong way on the bed with her feet up. It's very like stereotypical, like television movie, teenage girl. Um, so they're using all the tropes right away to get us to be like, Oh, we know who this person is. Um, and then Brigadier General Hale pops in and she's like, Hey, why are I, what's going on? Or I, I don't even remember the conversation. It's not important, but basically she's like mad at her for not going to class, which I'm like, where's your class? You're in a fucking bunker. But anyway, um, and she asks her, Hey mom, are you a good guy? Because I've been hearing, you know, that you're going after shield and aren't they the good guys? And, um, She's like, I'm just not sure if you're a good guy or bad guy. And she's like, well, you know, that's just my, that's just my mission. That's my orders. Like in the adult world, we to answer, we all answer to somebody. Um, and they have this conversation because one of the posters on her, in her bedroom is of Daisy. It's Quake, a poster of Quake. And, um, you know, her mom says something about like, you are only asking that because you're obsessed with Daisy Johnson. Like, it's not that you're actually, you know, you, you just want me to be on the same side as her, essentially. Um, and she starts to say, I do what I must. And Ruby finishes the sentence for her where it's it's like, oh, for the, for the greater good, for the betterment of the world or whatever it is. And she's like, no, I do what I must for you, Ruby. Everything I do is for you. So already we have this like weird mother-daughter relationship that we are going to get into much more in the coming episodes. <laughs> As we learn more about Brigadier General Hale. Um, so we didn't care about that, though. Like, when we first watched this, we were like, hey, what's going on with the team? We don't care about these people. But the team is back. Everybody made it back. Thank God. Um, and they all, like, come back in waves. So you just see, like, Coulson, May, and Daisy. And then you're like, oh, no. And then you see Fitz. Or no, I guess Fitz was them. Whoever. The, uh, Mac and Yo-Yo and Gemma, who are, like, running down the hallway. 
Um, and they're like, uh, are we back? Because they're in the lighthouse, but it's in the present day. And obviously, like, they recognize it from the station in the future. But this is, like, the lighthouse, you know, that, that Fitz and Enoch went through. Um, wait, wait, you, you said, uh, you mentioned something about Fitz. Where, when does he come in? I don't know. Was, was he standing? I think he was standing with May and... He can't. So he might have been first. I can't. I can't. I can't remember. He yeah. Yeah. They, they, they all show up, like you said, like in, like in pockets, and so they're they're all there. They're disoriented. Daisy's still knocked out, right? Yeah. Yeah. She Coulson is like holding her. <laughs> um. Yeah. So anyway, um, they're like, okay, you know, Fitz confirms, like, no, this is like where me and Enoch and Hunter were, like, we're we're back. This is like where we are, where we're at. And Max, like, well, I I'll believe it when I get a double cheeseburger. <laughs> like, of course, Mac grounding us right away. Um, and all of a sudden, this hologram pops on the wall, and it's a hologram of some dude named Rick Stoner, General Rick Stoner. Is he a comic book character? I believe you know he him? is. Okay. <laughs> he, he is, and he's uh, <clears throat> he's like an old school shield guy. Yeah. He he has been around uh, since a comic, I believe, what uh, nineteen ninety four. Uh, but he's not actually like a real character until nineteen ninety eight, and they kind of like retconned him into this uh, uh, Nick Fury origin story. Okay. But he's uh. He he's what do you call it? A uh, CIA and Army guy okay. uh, who was part of Shield when it was first be- when it first became Shield in the comics. Okay. So he's like one of one of the Shield's founders. He w- in the equivalent, he he would have been someone who like picked up the baton from uh, from Peggy, I think. Okay. Like ba- ba- basically, like like uh, and because in the comics, it's you know uh, Howard Stark is involved just like he is in in the movies uh, with the formation of shield that like all the retcon origin stories and backstories. And so he uh, works with Howard Stark to establish field or shield from the, uh, you know, pre-existing actual uh, espionage, you know, uh, and and intelligence organizations. Yeah. So like, you know, combining stuff from uh, the military intelligence agency and the CIA and whatnot. And uh, did, he worked alongside, uh, all these people and kind of like he hands the baton over to, to Nick Fury directly in these like retcon stories. Okay. So uh, he's pretty much Samuel Jackson's, I guess, uh, Nick Fury. Interesting. <laughs> he's the equivalent. <laughs> Interesting. He, he was possibly around when Captain Marvel, if they're going to do another. Are they going to do another Captain Marvel film? We don't even know. We don't know. <laughs> well, and they, <laughs> I, I, it's supposed to, but like, what the fuck? <laughs> when I feel like we would know more what their plans were still going to be, even when they changed in general, if things weren't the way they are. Yeah. But they learned, I think, think like all of film learned a lesson from Christopher Nolan in the past six months, which is don't keep yeah. saying you're going to release something and then delaying it. <laughs> like, it doesn't help anything. Yeah. I feel like what Mulan and now Tenet have both, I mean, from what I hear, Mulan was just not a good film in general. And I've been hearing the same thing about Tenet, but is that just because we're not sitting in theaters watching it? And so like our being able to suspend our disbelief is limited. We're at home (laughs) or I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. 
Well, I think too, it's going to be a question of like <laughs> right now that maybe what was those giant blockbusters, like not to say that people are disinterested in them entirely, but maybe they don't have the same pull they did pre pandemic, you know, yeah. like my, this might be what all the people who in the film industry and entertainment industry were annoyed with superhero stuff about. <laughs> this, this might be what they were asking for in a weird way overall. I mean, clearly they didn't want people to die, but uh, just the side, the weird side effect, if it does dethrone superhero blockbusters and smaller films can get made again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that'll make a lot of creative people happy. That's true. God. Oh, this is gonna... I, I haven't even like thought about those ramifications for like in depth because there's so many more important things going oh, on. Oh, absolutely. But... It's just because I, I because I haven't tried to kind of distract myself yeah. a lot of my a lot of the content I've been consuming are podcasts by people in the entertainment industry. Yeah, because I'm and, do, bored and doing podcasts. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like so many of them have popped up, but they but they do like just talk about a little bit like like about th- th- thinking about I think you know how it's going to change but even more than that i i i hear a lot of comedians and people who write movies complaining about how it's hard to make movies now and like i do get the get the complaint because it's got to be frustrating but at the same time it's not like no one decided like i'm the king of movies and only superhero movies get made now like that's not how it happened it's just people noticed they were making more money and assholes only want to make the most money. And so stuff that would be profitable isn't deemed profitable anymore. Cause Oh, you only made a million dollars. You didn't make $7 million. Perspective. Um, anyway, so Rick Stoner is on this like video situation and he's giving a rundown slash like orientation of what if you are in this bunker welcome to the end of the world and it's (laughs) he mentioned something called project reclamation um and colson you know the shield historian he's like well you know project reclamation was like supposed to be for you know he mentioned some event with like the russians like it's a cold war situation um, and he's like, I guess this place is just like forgotten. Like they set it up to be like a doomsday bunker and that event never happened. Like we, we, you know, we were able to, you know, not prevent whatever that was, what they thought was going to happen, which was supposed to be like in the 1970s. So this thing has been, so what I put in the notes is this place is old and forgotten and their end of the world never happened, which is kind of poetic considering the situation that they're in. They're trying to make their end of the world not happen. <laughs> and they- yeah, no, and they've undone they've undone the literal end of the world for, you know, the future. Yeah, yeah no, possibly. That, that, that works. Yeah. Um, and Colson mentions that this place is not in Fury's toolbox. So I'm wondering if Fury even knew about it since, like, Rick Stoner was in charge. You know, well, and, and part, part of it, that canon of, well, and, and I feel like like part of the logic to me would be it wouldn't be in his toolbox because they never activated it. It's yeah. like it was it was a contingency plan that by the time he passed the torch to Nick Fury wasn't even on his radar because they never had to use it. Yeah. So this is like a super super secret base that literally nobody knows about except for them. We find out later, and the Chromicons for some reason. So, um, Coulson comments on Max injuries because uh, if you forgot, he got the shit beat out of him by Cassius on that, you know, his his PCP shit. Um, when it looked like he got stabbed uh, or like cut across the chest too, and yeah. he brushed it off, 
he was like, oh no, it was just, you know, my clothes, just, a, he said it was a wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. And, and but it's like, no, nah, man. Yeah. They cut, your, cut your chest. And you saw like a, a brief glimpse in the last episode with uh, future yo yo talking about how he can't die to other, to our yo yo or, or, yeah. or, 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 or they can't stop him from, from dying is the thing they have to remember. And that you, and right out, I think maybe right after that or something in the last two, parts where they were in the future mm-hmm. at one point they showed just a brief like zoom in to the hole in his shirt and there's like really pronounced veins like it looks like it's the it's the fictional version of like oh you got an infection yeah. like, <laughs> a, a, a wound with, with a black <laughs> like center that is like emanating something in, like yeah, like some sort like, of some sort of clearly dark poison yeah, exactly um, and it's funny that you mentioned that because Yo-Yo comments on Coulson. She's like, oh, you should get looked at too. Um, and obviously she knows. And Coulson's like, no, 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 I'm good. And he just totally like diverts the attention to, you know, to back to Mac. And he's like, he's like oh, Gemma, go take Mac and take a look. And she just, the camera stays on her face and she just like looks clearly very disappointed in him <laughs> like well, <laughs> like she knows. And of course he's still stalling, telling the team what's happening. Well, and I get that, like, they end up having stuff exposed very shortly. Yeah. Like, wait, like we know something, but it just doesn't. One thing I, f- I feel like at no point do we get Yo-Yo mentioning what she has learned, right? Yeah. Not. Uh, no, I don't think so. It, definitely not in the fr- in this and then the next episode. And it feels weird to me that like it feels like that's only for like story purposes because like it feels like she'd be like hey guys like like and if, even if she doesn't tell the group like it feels like she would tell mac and and colson like she feels like she would tell him to to, to me i, I don't know yeah maybe she just didn't get that chance because she gets her arms cut off <laughs> i don't know that, oh no that's true too that's just true too like like the second episode i get why she didn't say it but the first and no that's a good I guess that's a good plot convenience, and maybe that's unfortunately part of like how this all shook out, and they yeah. ended up deciding to, to go with the comic thing. And again, like in our last episode, I, uh, how we concluded it, I think I'm just gonna have to blame this one on Loeb until yeah. we have reason to 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 not. Yeah. Also, I feel like if that wouldn't have happened in the show, like I feel like Yo-Yo respects Coulson enough to like give him the time to maybe say something and then confronting him like individually. She's like a person that has like her trauma and her secrets and like No, it does feel like know. she would do it one on one first. Yeah. Like like, like she, I do think she would tell Mac regardless. And I sort of feel like that would be what it would be like, sort of. Like yeah. you know I'm gonna tell Mac eventually, like you need to tell everybody and, and figure this out and tell and talk to May. Like Yeah. Like she would give him an ultimatum like if you don't tell them I will <laughs> type of situation. Um, but she'd give him an opportunity. She'd level yeah. with him and give him an opportunity to do the same because that yeah. is that's sort of her style for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, um, especially like in a situation like this where she thinks that you know, future Yo-Yo has now told her that everything hinges on that. It's like, well, like this needs to something needs to be done about this then. So, but also like I'm thinking too, maybe she thinks that like they just won't find out and he'll just die. <laughs> And like that, that stops everything. No, and I can't see too now. And and it's maybe like also the situation just makes it happen. Like, I think I think that could be it. Not thinking about it, not wanting to cause it, 
could be part of it. And I was just thinking about like when you said that, it, it made me remember because isn't part of what Yo Yo was telling her was that Mac was going to die before they got back, right? Yeah. And he didn't. So maybe she's just trying to ride that. Like one thing's different. Yeah. Let's ride the different thing bef- as long as we can. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think, right? Isn't that isn't that right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's. I don't know. I can't remember <laughs> if Mac. Well, whatever. Regardless, like that's not either way. She's, yeah. so. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, Yo-Yo, Mac and Gemma go off to give Mac some medical attention. And May is still there with Fitz. And um, Colson's like, May, will you take the tour with uh, General Rick Stoner? And so she's like, Fitz, you're coming with me. <laughs> and um, Colson is going to stay with Daisy until he she wakes up, which May is obviously trying to give them some time alone. Um, and she's been awake. She's like, oh, you iced me, you motherfucker. She doesn't say that, but she's obviously like groggy and upset. And what Colson says is, did you ever think with everything that we've been through, there's any universe where I'd leave you behind? And it's like, okay break our hearts make us cry but also what you did was shitty <laughs> like no but it does make like i feel like you you're always uh talking about you know their father daughter yeah. connection I, I do feel like when he said that she she it doesn't make what he did okay but she understands yeah like, and i think she also understands that if the shoe were on the other foot she would have done the same thing which which i, I do think is true of their of her, of her character and of their relationship yeah which i feel like next episode we explore a lot more and in, in their agency and how they relate to each other as family the entire team but especially colson and daisy um mm-hmm. god which i was fucking sobbing almost that entire episode <laughs> anyway that's next episode um so fitz and may are looking through like a storehouse like situation but it's like huge um and then may looks very unnerved but we don't see what she's looking at right away and fitz she's like fitz and fitz comes running and the monoliths are there all three of them and then some random dude pops up. He's like, hello, I am Noah. And at first I was like, who the fuck is this? Cause, and they are too, because they pull their guns out and they're like, who are you? And he is another. No. <laughs> I was going to say my immediate reaction was, why is the guy from the hottie and the naughty? Because <laughs> that's who that is. That's Joel David Moore, the star of the ill-conceived, <laughs> uh, super problematic Paris Hilton movie about how ugly chicks aren't cool. <laughs> like, like, they could have not have picked the, the more, like, if Chronicoms had, like, bros, like, douchey bros, like, this is the douchey bro Chronicom. Like, not only because of this actor's past history, but just, like, <laughs> the way that he is in, in this episode. <laughs> when he does feel like... What, like like a uh, Kroger brand version oh, of, yeah. of Enoch, you know, even, even their names, even like they both have biblical names, but like yeah. Noah is so much more obvious. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's, oh my God. They're both uh, it, like Joel Stoffer. He does look like he probably is playing the same roles that Joel Stoffer played when he was younger. Yeah. Cause they are like both just super lanky, not <laughs> ugly, but like kind of goofy looking dudes. Yeah. Like, like Super, super skinny guys. The Abe Lincoln type. (laughs) (laughs) 
my god. And of course he says the the line, I am a sentient Chromicon. It just doesn't land the same. It's just like, really? Are you though? (laughs) It it feels a lot more obnoxious from him. It feels a little more like he's mansplaining it to you. It always felt like he was happy to tell you before when it's it's Enoch, but no, it it feels like he's like smug about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I do feel like it's well done. Like you said, like, like, I don't like the actor necessarily, but I do feel like he's he he's effective. He's supposed to be, vibe. <laughs> yeah. he's supposed to be kind of getting under our skin a little. Bit. Yeah, I agree. Um, so he tells them that how the monolith got there is unknown, of course, in true Chronicom fashion. Um, and they're like, uh, "This is dangerous. These should not be here. Like nobody should come in contact with these ever. We need to. How did they get here? Uh, we need to move them." And Noah says, you know, literally anybody that knows about this bunker are, they're inside this bunker already. So we're safe. Um, And so they go to the computer room um, and (laughs) and Noah's like showing them, I keep wanting to call him Joel now, thanks. Um, (laughs) Noah keeps showing, is showing them like the monitors where they monitor all the activity, human activity. And May has this comment of like, oh, yeah, of course, like you just sit here and observe because Chronicoms just observe and don't do anything. And she's annoyed by it. And he comments about how S.H.I.E.L.D. comes up a lot in these monitors. And this is where May is like, yeah, we have a small but active fan base, which is like such an eye roll. But also I was laughing because here we go. I I feel like this is around the time where like the show, well, not when this aired, but like the show was like going to be canceled. And so... Fan base was like, no, we can't have that. (laughs) And they believed that that it was the last season. You could tell because we've talked before about how they have title changes, and since this is the first one back from the 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 half season, it goes through all the title cards they've had from the first part until the end. Oh, what? It like flashes. It does like like one second of each shield. Like goes through all of them, going through the framework, going through going through all the different little beginnings i didn't notice that yeah and and when i saw it i was like oh that's so because they thought it was the end clearly also now colson's fate in this like yeah feels very final too so it does it does and now i'm disappointed that all the actors who play chronicoms aren't named joel Both Enoch and Noah are. Like, I know that like, there's not another Chronicom, at, at least one named Joel. But like, they gotta be, they gotta be tall, one. skinny Joels. So <laughs> you have a cast, a casting call out to all the tall, skinny Joels out there. Oh my god! Um, so while they're in this mon- this computer room with all the monitors, um, Fitz notices that they have a potential alien contact. It's like this light shining from you know the sky. It looks very. It's like super like basic like sci-fi with like the ufo like you know with the light shining down that's exactly what it looks like (laughs) except there's no ufo above it um and they're kind of assuming now that the light in the sky is the start of the events that lead to the end of the world because that's what you know the forget his name now uh uh, boss no Vic. uh whatever the dude that was friends with deke's dad said that that's how this all started like the aliens came to earth and shield acted and then the world blew up um, Not Grill, but the other guy. The guy who de- I think it's Foss. Uh, hated. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's Foss. I was like, am I just thinking about that from Star Wars, or is that real? But I think it's Foss. Anyway, um, 
And uh, he's like, well, we got to go check it out. You know, this could be, we got, we got to stop the end of the world. And Mac is like, okay, we're back. <laughs> and he's just no. like, so not about this world. <laughs> I just, I just fact checked it. You are correct. He's, it's Samuel Voss. Okay. That's right. It, it's two S's. So it's, it's uh, even spelled differently from Star Wars, but it is, it's, sound, it's, <laughs> not, sound the same. it's not Quinlan Voss's, you know, long lost white uncle. Um, Ooh, that, that sounds like something from Star Wars. Try to turn uh, Captain Rex into an old white dude. Oh, God, seriously. Dave Filoni is the worst. The worst. He's ruined wolves for me. Anyway, um, so they find out that this light is in St. Louis, Missouri, and they're going to go check it out. And Daisy's like, yeah, I'm not going. Um, and they're like, uh, we need you. We could use you. Come on. And she's like, no. Um, I might be the cause of this. I really don't want to be there. I'm not going. And they're like, okay, fine. Um, but they are wanted by law enforcement, obviously, because they were about to be arrested before they disappeared to go into the future, which seems like so long ago that I kind of forgot that happened. Um, and so they have to be covert. And so Noah slash Joel shows them that this base, of course, has tons of tunnels. <laughs> so we have another base with a weird tunnel situation. But literally... <laughs> This one is like a distinct River's End is the town that one of the tunnels surfaces out of. So a quaint town nearby. (laughs) And and that and that comes back, River's End, right? Like like, like, like we hear it a lot at one point. Well we even get I feel like so this it's like a very distinct, like this is where you come out. Like it's not some vague bar dive bar in the desert. You know what I mean? Like but at the same time, when they when they're talking about the light in St. Louis and bring up the system of tunnels, I'm like, of course, this thing that seems like it's probably in Maine and it's definitely in the fucking Northeast, yeah, like you know, like pro- like probably New England, you yeah. know, like is the the vibe you're getting. But but I don't know. Like it was so frustrating. To me. I, I was like, like, oh god, again! Like, of course, it has a tunnel straight to St. Louis from, from under a lighthouse in Maine. That sounds about right. That's it sounds uh, like shield. Yeah, it, they're under some I, nebulous I, bar. <laughs> I feel like maybe like they got a hard. Somebody gave them a hard time about the playground because they. When they come out of the tunnel, they show the the fucking sign for Rivers End, like town population of whatever, like on camera. So it's like, okay, this is where it surfaces. It's not some weird, like moving base of the imagination. I don't know. Yeah, it's not something <laughs> out, a, a little bit outside of LA. But it's supposed to be in in the middle of anywhere. Yeah, America. But also just outside DC too. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's <it's> somehow. <laughs> I I didn't pay attention to how stupid this and weird this was the first time through. Like obviously upon our rewatch, like the inconsistencies of where the playground was actually located came up. So I'm wondering if this is gonna be a similar situation. But I I know we'll have to we'll have to watch closely, but I think you're right that this map scene and like like it being specific it does feel like a little bit of a response or whatever, or like covering their bases. Yeah. It's not, it's not so much a mea culpa. It's not like saying, oh, we've fucked up before, but it's just like, we're going to stop those assholes from complaining about it this time. <laughs> well, it helps that there's not a window to the outside where there's other buildings where you can, like, it's populated areas and they're just underground. Like. The office view, they're like 400 feet below below some Nevada desert bar that isn't doesn't seem like it's on a road and has no one inside it ever. 
Oh my god. Anyway, they go out of the tunnel to River's End, this town. Um, and everybody's just kind of, st- they're in like some alleyway and they're just standing there enjoying like being outside. Like there's birds flying. It's so nice. They're just like breathing the earth air. And a cop car drives by and they all kind of like shift and be like, oh shit, like, yeah, we got to be careful. And then Coulson sees a v- an orange VW bus and asks Mac, he's like, hey, can you handle that one? And Mac is super unhappy. He's like, yeah, I guess. Um, cause he doesn't want to steal it. And May and Yo-Yo, everybody reacts at the same time. Like May and Yo-Yo are like, oh, come on, we're spies. And Gemma's like, I think it's admirable. <laughs> and then Coulson's like, I promise we will return it when we're finished. Like, we'll be okay. And so. No, but I like, I like it. Like you're always pointing out it's Mac is constantly being asked to do things that compromise. His beliefs. <laughs> and, and he just isn't. He isn't a spy. He was no. tech support for spies. I know. He was dragged into all this shit because Hydra destroyed Shield. It's not none of this was supposed to be his plan. Exactly. Um, and it's really cute that like Coulson understands that and is like accommodating. And it's just funny, like May's reaction is like, we're spies, come on. <laughs> like we do nefarious, you know, uh morally gray things all the time. Like this is where you draw the line, like <laughs> Well, I love that, like, the, the other person who's super annoyed, or one of the other people who's super annoyed is his, you know, the, yeah. his love interest, is the person he's with, is just like, like, give me a break. <laughs> he is, he is like, he is like Superman or Captain America, and she's like a real human, so it's like, she's like, come on. They, and when, when I think about it that way, they do have a very, like, Superman-Lois Lane yeah. relationship. Yeah, she do. does give him shit, but loves him and, yeah. and admires him for his steadfast perfectness. Yeah, yeah, but also, it's like, that's how tough to fucking put up with, live with, and I think live up to. Oh, so I sure. can't... Uh, no, that's, that's great. I, like, like, it's, I that just makes me like them even more. I know. And I also love that Gemma's like totally like, I think it's I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it's so Gemma. <laughs> it is. It's very, very in character. Uh, I don't remember Fitz's reaction because I feel like he was on the side of May and Yo-Yo, but who knows? Um, well, I feel like now Fitz is for sure because of the framework. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so Daisy uh, gets super comfortable uh, with all of the equipment in the the computer monitoring room, I don't know what to call that room. Um, and Noah is super bothered. He's like, "You're using my keyboard," and she's like, "Yeah." <laughs> but he's like, "That's fine," even though I, I'm not bothered, even though you didn't ask permission. <laughs> like he's so passive aggressive, but because he's a robot, he's really bad at it. It's like a mannequin being passive aggressive. And she just completely ignores him, and he's like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "I'm setting up an alert that will tell me if the team is spotted by law enforcement." And then she discovers that they are not just wanted; they are are on the most wanted list, so they are probably in the system. And, and no one knew about that and didn't tell them like Noah's like oh yeah (laughs) he's such a fucking dick (laughs) like everybody's after you i forgot to mention that but but also like he is a dick but not like you know spoilers for we did talk about the first episode of the final season so we've referenced on the show before the 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 chronicoms you know who become kind of their their nemeses yeah and he's not out to get them he actually is, he's got their back. He's just an idiot. <laughs> he is like hard line. I am just here to observe and not interfere. Like, it's right. been, you know, like, why would he tell but, them? Because he doesn't want to interfere. Like, he's is, annoying. Is he like, right about to make the line where he references uh, 
uh, where he talks about Enoch? Is that coming up? Yeah, that's coming up soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that I think that illustrates yeah. exactly what you're saying. Yeah. He's just he's even more hardline than Enoch. Yeah. Um. So the team is in the bus, and Coulson's like, "It could be worse, right?" And they everybody starts going down the list of past hardships throughout the seasons that they've experienced, and they're like, "Yeah." You know, we could be fighting Daisy's dad. We could be fighting Daisy's mom. <laughs> like, you know, we could be in a simulation and you're a space Nazi uh, and all kinds of things. And then May's final thing is like, or dancing. <laughs> That's the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> and the disgust on her face is fantastic. Um, and then they see a cop car starts driving towards them and they're like, hey, play it cool. But it chirps at them and stops them. And um, Mac is driving, to be clear. And um, Fitz has his gun ready. <laughs> um, which I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do? You're going to shoot this cop in the middle of this town where your one tunnel pops out of? Like, that doesn't seem like a good idea. But anyway. Little Hydra Fitz uh, showing, showing exactly, his uh, exactly color. What I thought. Exactly what I thought, too. And then Colson's like, just play cool, everybody. And the cop is like, hey, that's so-and-so's van. And Mac plays. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, he pretends that they bought it and they have this cute little conversation but it's very like tense and the cop's like oh, okay cool have a good day anyway no, yeah, the, the cop <laughs> buys it but it is like like max stressing the whole time and i feel like even though the cop is black as well there is a little bit of intention that max the one driving when they exactly i yep yep um, yeah. um so as they drive by um deke pops out of nowhere onto the sidewalk <laughs> and he's like whoa what and i mean at this point we thought he was so it's like oh cool he's alive um, you know depending on how you feel about deke in the future i guess that's good or bad also his um, his uh stubble beard is much longer than it seemed like in the bad lighting <laughs> <laughs> now that he's in good lighting it's not just a shadow it's actually hair <laughs> well, yeah, I'm like, oh he's grown a beard <laughs> um, so he's like what the fuck i'm alive and also whoa i'm outside and he's like oh my god i'm outside and he like sees a tree and like goes up to it and starts like touching the leaves all lovingly and like hugs the tree and this lady is like walking her dog and she's like what are you doing he's like i'm not from around here <laughs> she's like okay and he totally seems like he's on drugs and it's fantastic um and no, then- and she, i like to the old lady it's like i'm not old but an older uh white lady like like she's She's okay with it. She's she's giving him shit because she thinks he's on drugs, and he's talking about how amazing everything is and whatever. She's like, yeah, it'll be normal when you when you're all, coming down off whatever you're on. Like she's just walking her dog, keeps walking. Like I I like that because I don't know in a world where far too often old people walking their dogs are really mean to anyone who yeah. seems seems like they might you know have mental health issues or is uh, you know. A, from a, from a different background from them in any way uh, will will be awful and seeing someone just be like you live your life <laughs> it's kind of kind of nice enjoy your trip while you have it the world sucks <laughs> like um and so he goes to the trash can and he sees a ice cream cone and he puts the ice cream back on top of the cone and is about to eat it and then he sees a bar and he just drops the ice cream oh thank god he did because <laughs> it was gonna be so gross i know I was like, and no. he, it's a good, it's a really good comedic, like facial oh, uh, yeah. acting too. Cause like, he looks like a little kid who was going to eat some ice cream. Like he's licking his lips like, Oh, this is going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. It's clear that he knows what ice cream is, but has probably never had it. It's like yeah. people just talked to him about, like told him stories of ice cream and he like, synthesized it with holograms. You yeah. Know? Like, I know but, this all of deep discovering what our earth is like <laughs> compared to his dystopian future earth is a fantastic. So he goes to the bar and this is where his love for Zima begins. Um, <laughs> he walks in and he's like really proud of himself, like how close he got his simulation to like the real deal of, you know, a dive bar. 
sits down. He's like, hello, barkeep, which is already so embarrassing. And he's like, I want I would like to try a real beer. And so the guy pours him a beer and he drinks it. And he's like, oh, this is terrible. I don't like it. Um, which I totally understand why, you know, you would think that on your first taste. Um, and he's like, do you have anything that's like this, but tastes delicious? Which means that I'm like, what the fuck? It's funny because like this aired right around the time that like these seltzers, like these spiked seltzers started coming out again. And Billy's bar literally started carrying Zima again, like after this aired. And I was like, what the hell did Shield like? Like, well, no, I ended up in like okay, okay, okay. I ended up looking it up. Zima was discontinued in the U.S. in 2008 and was uh, exclusively sold in Japan. And I think because of the seltzer stuff in general, like you were saying Miller, whoever had it before, they brought it back. They they negotiated the people who they sold the rights to, and they brought it back in 2017 in the summer as like a seasonal summer thing, and then did it again, <laughs> and they brought it again in 2018. So like 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 you said, like they brought it back right after the Sheridan Shield so that was coincidental but I totally see how from Billy's perspective that seemed like it was like hey maybe he brought Zima back because it was gone for it was, almost a whole year yeah. before coming back right after Shield well, and then sadly, for, decade, for like a full decade two decades it was gone just about just about a whole decade it yeah. came back like I said briefly in 2017 <laughs> but then it has never come back in the US since then so I think only people who like import it from Japan like yeah. Only, like it would be especially difficult for people to get Zima now, which makes it even funnier that they have to bring it back a couple times later. <laughs> that they had to like get Zima from Japan. Yeah, that's true. Or at least the bottles. Um, but it's just so funny because like this is what I drank when I first, well, before I was twenty-one, to be honest, because <laughs> it was you know it's like a wine cooler basically. Oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's when I was looking it up. It was like it's an alternative to wine coolers. Yeah. Wine coolers became really really popular and. It, Oh my god, I can't remember what, what the first slogan was, but the second one was something different. <laughs> so, so ridiculous. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, <laughs> it's thing ever. But yeah, it was I mean, like well placed marketing, ABC, because like all the bars uh, started carrying Zima after this, I guess. Like God. <laughs> I, I feel like my uh my equivalent of Zima was like the hard lemonade type stuff. <laughs> Like that was definitely my beer, but delicious. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in college, yeah. I would have occasionally. I totally drink wine coolers like crazy. Um, and wine coolers and Zima. <laughs> like <laughs> anyway, so this is the anything else like this, but tastes delicious. Zima. Here we go. Um, and he is playing like bar video games. He's watching TV. He's just having the time. It's a very cute life. sequence. It's yeah. very, it's, it's very, very satisfying after the first half of the season. Just oh like yeah. Very- Seeing joy. <laughs> like he's eating a cheeseburger for the first time and onion rings and French fries. And and- even like a pickle. Like, like he <laughs> just, you can say, you can tell like, like every, everything tastes new to him. Yeah. He's always has like genetically engineered protein gruel. And as he pointed out, I think uh, uh, one point in this here. episode, <laughs> What does he refer to it as? Uh, sterilization pills. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a diet of sterilization pills, he's eating cheeseburgers. It's like he's happy. He's yeah. doing great. And mean, in between all of this, he's drinking more and more Zimas. He's running out. He's getting another one. Who knows how many he's had at this point? Um, and then he's like, "All right, see you later." And the the barkeep is like, uh, "You got to sell up your tab." And he's like, "Right." Uh, clearly, he what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> his metric, and the guy's like, "No." 
Um, and so Deke tries to like turn around and run away, but the pool table is right there. So he like flips over the pool table and lands on the ground. And this is the beginning of his criminal record. <laughs> the, bar the, the, the bartender is super cool to him too. Like, like considering he's like so mellow. It's like, uh, dude, I have to call the police. Otherwise, like this was my job. You know? yeah. Like that's the, this is the vibe that he gives. Yeah. Well, he's just like, he's used to dealing with drunk dudes like this all the time. I'm sure dive bar scene anyway that cheeseburger actually looked really good for dive bar food i would i would be done with that um so <laughs> the team in the van the team that's in the van leaves the van on the side of the road and there's a sign on in the window that says return to john whoever the owner was that was putting it up for sale which i thought was really cute <laughs> and they go to the zephyr that is cloaked and waiting and there's this triumphant music like they're going back this is real home like you know this is what they know versus the the weird lighthouse situation with with noah slash joel and may is sitting in the cockpit and they're flying and she seems very happy to be there and Colson walks in and is like, you okay? And they're like kind of chatting and he kind of leans over and he's in pain, like clutching his chest. And she's like, hey, you should have Simmons take a look at you. And he's like, no, it's fine. And then Fitz interrupts and he's like, I need you to look at something, of course. Um, the light, it seems, is coming from the research, a research facility in St. Louis. It is not coming down from the sky. So the light is being sent from Earth. And Gemma has figured out that it is the beacon that Hive used to call the Cree to Earth, which, great. Um, Meanwhile, Yo-Yo is sitting in the cargo hold and Mac finds her and he's like, I have a question for you. Um, and she goes, how will, how will you ever find job satisfaction without crushing rocks for no reason? And they're just, you know, he's trying to like lighten the mood, but she's clearly very, she is very clearly shaken from seeing her future self with no arms and almost watching him die. And he's also like kind of fucked up from it. And she's just really worried that they won't be able to stop the time loop. And Mac just sits down and is like, you know, it's cool, like we're here together and that's all that matters. And he tries to comfort her and she leans into him, but she's still like thinking about what needs to be done or what could still happen, obviously. They're so cute. <laughs> I love their relationship so much. The scene was really cute. Them just like trying to pretend like everything's normal. <laughs> They're in a normal relationship. Um, so Daisy has gone full gamer and she's eating cereal out of the box with like her foot up on the chair as she's looking at the at Noah's computer screen. He's still standing off to the side, very bothered. And her alert goes off and she sees Deke on a wanted list. And she's like, oh no. And she's like, you have to go get him. And Noah's like, I'm not going. We do not interfere. And he, she's like, well, Enoch would have done that. And he calls Enoch reckless. <laughs> So he's like, as you know, you know, you're not just reckless. And I'm like, wait, what? That type dude? Oh, which is really funny. Um, so Daisy has to go. She's like, fine, I'll go, I guess. And she's like, but I'm going to need your clothes. And he's like, what? <laughs> um, so the Zephyr... Also, also, they happen to fit her perfectly. I know, I know. <laughs> it's not like she was in like a pantsuit. She was yeah. just in a suit. But she, she, she looked great. Like, yeah. it's like she wasn't... She wasn't. I feel like if that if if it were the same situation and it were deep getting her out, it would fit him badly. Yeah, it'd be like yeah. it'd be too long. It would yeah. be really silly. Like, the sleeves would have to be rolled up. Yeah. And it's like comically yeah. huge. Shoulders are way off. 
He looked like he's uh, in one of those like uh, vice versa or like father like son Freaky Friday ripoff yeah. movies from the eighties. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Zephyr lands in St. Louis, and they are walking down this dark, empty hallway, and there's a closed door, and Fitz pulls out his little iPad thing, and he's like, "There's somebody inside." And so they open the door, and it's a lab, and Piper's there, and she explains, she's like, "Oh." Uh, just the people I wanted to run into, which is, hmm, <laughs> I don't like it. Um, and she's there for the same reason they are, or so she says. She's there for the beacon because it turned on and she came to investigate. Um, and she's just been laying low, apparently. Mm, find out is not true. Um, I forgot that this is the episode where she does some shitty stuff and it makes me upset. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot about, I forgot this happened. Yeah. There's like a reason, yeah. you know, she was fooled. Um, also, uh, this is the first time I think, at least I noticed, that this actress gets credits in the opening credits. Uh, Brianna uh, Venskis, I think. So she's, like, gonna become, like, a full series regular at this point. She kind of already has been, but I think she's finally in the opening credits, which is kind of cool. I really like her. Um, Me too, and I think this is when, it, uh, maybe it's not coincidental, I believe that this is her third season, and her mm-hmm. first season, that it's just what she's doing and not working on Supergirl as well. Oh, okay. And because Supergirl was shot yeah. in Vancouver, it may be partly like, like you know, they gave her further commitment and she like was able to move to LA, you know, yeah. and do that full time. Like, because I know that a lot of people who work regularly in Vancouver, even if they are American or LA actors, will like end up with a place there and they just like stay in a condo or something yeah. when they're here, you know. Um, by the way, this, um, this actress, uh, Sabriana Venskis, her Instagram lately has been hilarious. Uh, her her uh, username is House of Venskis, and she's been making insane like TikTok videos and posting them on Instagram because she's in quarantine and she's bored, I guess. But anyway, highly recommend you go visit her Instagram. <laughs> she's also also, also that just reminded me of a couple of the things I've seen made, like a couple of like, music videos and things on TV uh, that have come out. People have used old school like Patty Duke technology to make it seem like like for some of them like they're in the room with someone else, and yeah. some like they're just in the room multiple times. Yeah. And I'm like, like shout out to to whoever came up with how to make that cheap and affordable like in the 60s for that TV show because it's making people able to make stuff much easier oh, yeah. so, you know, w- without having to have like high-tech programs. Yeah, but also it like looks super like gimmicky too. So it's like this whole level of, I don't know, it's just it's <laughs> hilarious to me. It's just people are being very creative and, and they are. It's great. There's some great content on the internet. I, yeah. I, I, I was sent a link on Instagram the other day because usually I can still see stuff even though I, I mentioned before I think on the podcast I don't have access to my Instagram anymore. <laughs> Uh, and like like the other day, someone sent me a link, and I was like, "This person's account isn't set to, to being able to see it unless you're in the app." So oh, like, I have no idea what this is. Like, oh, I don't know what you sent me. <laughs> like, I wonder what it was I sent you. It was probably something. Well, well, no, no, it wasn't you. It was oh. it wasn't you. No, I was just because usually I'm sure like everything you, you've sent me from Shield people, they've had public. Like it's oh, been okay. you know whether it's from Chloe or uh, Mingna or from uh, uh, Elizabeth Henstridge, all, all that stuff I've been able to look at. Okay, good. <laughs> The, I, one of my one of my brothers sent me something and I was like I, I don't know what this is <laughs> but I'll have to check out uh, Brianna Vinskis's I, I would assume it's just because she's an actor it seems like most of those people have stuff uh, public although I yeah, think the, the link that I was sent was a business here in Portland so oh, they should wow, have been public I, I'm sure it's a mistake but they're not you know <laughs> but, interesting 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, she also, she's a motorcycle person too. And so oh. Billy is like, I guess one of his friends that he dirt bikes with all the time is good friends with her. Um, she's part of like a, a lady motorcycle crew. I don't know. All the, I feel like every every woman that rides motorcycles in LA knows each other. Like, that makes sense. It's <laughs> a huge group. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, she's like kind of, uh, I don't know. Billy, Billy has a, a is like that anyway just because of his job but he's he's in her circle somehow but anyway she's really she's really cool and nice apparently in as a human being not just as an actor so um she's also latina and she posts a lot of funny things about being puerto rican on her, especially during this time period in, in politics so highly recommend um all right where are we at Oh, so Deke is in the, in, he's locked up in the, in the police station and he's like rambling and oh my God, I don't know if like, if his, if his dialogue was written or if he just like, just totally improved it, but it's fucking hilarious. I couldn't even like write it down because it was just so like, he's like, oh, I was sent to save the world and blah, blah, blah. And he's just going on and on. And then Daisy shows up and she's in Noah's suit and she's pretending to be a social worker, even though she has blood on her forehead, which I'm like, okay, cool. Um, she does cover for that really well. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's there for Deke. He's like, he's not even my most troublesome, you know, you know, you know client. Yeah. I think she has a client. Yeah. That's not the right word. <laughs> and she points to the, you know, you know that's really not the right word for a social worker and 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 a patient or client i think abby always calls her her kids client so i think that is like correct well, i guess it, i guess it is it just it seems off you yeah. know but i think chloe says customer in that i don't think she says what she uh, whatever it's probably either, either way <laughs> it, 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 it probably was supposed to be like 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 metaphorical or like casual yeah. it came off as a little weird to me but mm-hmm. i'm also i also was watching this while falling asleep <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, and so she's like, oh, I'm his social worker, blah, blah, blah. And he, she's like, my name is Sonara. And Deke snorts. No, she said Sonara Smith. And she said it's Portuguese. Sonara, not Smith. And it's like, at that point, she's floundering so much. I felt like I felt like the shit May was giving them earlier. Like, come on, man, we're spies. Like, I feel like like that was, like, I feel like if she were there, she would have been eye rolling. Like, yeah. geez, did I teach you nothing? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, she's probably out of practice. It's been a while since she's like been a, an agent in the field like this. Like they haven't been spies for a long time. Like they've been and, covert agents. <laughs> and right before she was knocked out with some sort of drug, you know, with the icer effect, right before that she had a head injury. <laughs> so it's like she should get a pass too. Uh, Just, <laughs> well, and also she wasn't part of Shield for like the entire season four, essentially. You know, also like, true. so she wasn't an agent for quite a while. Um, she was trying to get people out of a simulation <laughs> being a spy anyway so um she's talking to the the white cop and the the black cop that that pull, uh, pulled over mac and the rest of the team is like staring at her and he picks up the phone and then we go cut to another scene where hale finds out that shield has been spotted so we're assuming that he called her um and then um back at the um the research lab in st louis piper is updating them on like what she's been up to she's been searching for them and apparently there's the beacon randomly turned on and she came to the station to investigate and she sent everybody away for their safety and then the beacon turns on again while they're standing in the room uh because fitz is like fitz and Gemma are trying to check it out and she's like yeah i'm not the science uh, you know i'm not i'm not into science or whatever uh whatever her line is um so back at the station yeah i can't remember um so back at the station daisy gets deke out and then the other cop that called 
pale, we're assuming is like, well, you guys have more paperwork to fill out. And she pulls him aside and is like, how did you get here? And also just how did you get immediately get arrested? And then his, his response to that is, have you ever tried Zima? <laughs> and she's like, why are you not more like emotionally distressed? You just came from the future to a place that you are not from. And he's like, are you kidding? This is amazing. He's like, there's food and there's an outside. I could go outside like and Zima. And like, he's just like, he's like, I'm about to go outside and breathe real yeah. air. He's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not upset. Yeah, he's like <laughs> thrilled to be there. Um, and and like he has lost so much, you know, like, you know, they brought Tess back, who is cl- close to uh, Flint, but they didn't bring back Virgil, you yeah. know, and, and his, or his parents. It's like those are the three people who were his caretakers and like his family, it seems like. And he doesn't have any of that anymore. Yeah. He, he was pretty isolated on that place. And like everything he's saying, it's very, very on the on the not subtext, very uh, like on the front of things, like it's on the surface level. He's just got all these all these things like access <laughs> Yeah. to hedonism in a way he's never had access to before so and it's funny too because um daisy's like i thought she's like what are you doing here like did you talk about us did you read us out we're wanted and he's like no i would never talk about you guys like i survived the future and she's like yeah by ratting people out <laughs> and he's like okay fair <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and to be fair too, right before she got there, he was talking about how he has friends in high places. <laughs> so I do feel like he wasn't going to rat anyone out on purpose, yeah. but he might have drunkenly fucked them mm-hmm. over. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh god. Um, so Fitz and Simmons get the machine stopped, and something apparently was installed on it to turn it on, like a timer. And Piper's like, "Yeah, like I said, I'm not into science." And she pulls her gun out, and a bunch of bad guys show up and it's some chick in a mask who we find out is ruby um and colson's like what the fuck you cut a deal and she's like yeah i had to uh and the beacon was set up to call them not the Cree. um so shield knows they're outnumbered they lower their guns colson is so upset and apparently hale found her first and so piper spilled everything about their story about you know being kidnapped you know and set to the future and then you know whatever um, and so she didn't know if they were back or if they were dead or not. And Hale apparently promised their safety if she got if if she got to them. Um, and it felt like it was like to extract them yeah. because Hale Hale and very very quickly is well written and well performed. Yeah. Like like it's effect, it's effective storytelling because I feel like it's a little expo- exposition snuck in yeah. there. But uh, P- Piper's like you know they were supposed to protect you. Like, like she knows you're innocent. Like, yeah. like, like 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 I told her everything and she believed me. But like, like, like it, it seemed like she was she was shocked and didn't know what to do at that point because she realized she sold them out, but she didn't she didn't mean to sell yeah. them out. She thought she also she brings up like Talbot she's like Hale is in charge of the you know the military like she's in place of Talbot I thought like Talbot is cool with us like I thought she would be cool too and it was just like that's fair you know like well yeah no absolutely and, and I get the feeling like from her delivery and from what happens afterward from what I remember like I feel like we're supposed to believe that she she's being honest mm-hmm. that Piper didn't sell them out on purpose and that she just just following the instructions Hale gave her but I do feel like that should have been her tip right there but it's not a 
Talbot-like situation, or if it is, it's like one of the times Talbot was fucking them over because yeah. he didn't trust them yet, or he'd been blackmailed, or something was making him fuck them over. Because, like, why would she tell her? Why would she instruct her to lie to them to start? Yeah, because that I feel like that wasn't something she made up on the spot. That was what she was supposed to do. Like, yeah. I don't think it's like a. It's not a plot hole, but it does strain logic a little bit because I feel like but, Piper's smarter than that. But then again, too, she might have been. She's under duress too because she was right. Exactly. <laughs> like, what choice right, did she, she have? <laughs> and, and after flying around in space for what, like three weeks or whatever, not in space, but in the atmosphere, yeah. you know, stuck Davis like, 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 like freaking out, chewing the walls uh, while they were all in the framework. Yeah. Like, no, I th- there's reasons. It, it, it's reasonable, yeah. I guess. Like, she, she's because she, I, I do keep forgetting that for her, she didn't travel through time or whatever. So it's only been just, just they're just out of the framework. Yeah, and she's been. So all the stuff that happened after that was like only a few days. Yeah. The, yeah. last part yeah. of that. Um, and she's, you know, been on the run. All of S.H.I.E.L.D. is on the run, essentially. So it's like, hey, she cut a deal because she had no choice. Also, um, I didn't mention this, but in the scene where she first popped up and is explaining, like, oh, you know, the beacon, whatever, first mission um, with you guys was that mission with Hive and the beacon. And so I thought that was re- really interesting uh, and kind of, kind of nice to put that in there and <laughs> to bring her basically into the main cast um and relating it to that it's like good job guys good writing good sir good good full circle there even though it sucks anyway (laughs) um so as piper is explaining all this like how everything's cool we're just gonna like take you in and like protect you and keep you safe uh the girl in the mask is like kill them and all of a sudden they start to you know lower their or you know bring their weapons up to shoot them and yo-yo act quickly and takes everybody's guns away and here we go everybody's beating the shit out of them and mac shoots one shoots part of its face off and realizes they're robots of course they are so you know piper got played she's upset she's like guys i don't know what to do and colson's like pick a side and she's she's like okay i'll cover you and so they start going out the masked girl ruby i keep calling her masked girl because i was playing it like we weren't going to know it was her. Ruby gets her boomerang, her circle boomerang thing out. Also, also, I gotta say, my thought then was the same thought I had with this. It's weird because I think it's actually connected to another observation I had originally that I remembered whenever you watched it. It's the shock room. It's it's the weapon Xena uses. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's my first thought. My second thought is, when I watched the first time, I thought that all of Dove Cameron's acting was being put into walking like Angelina Jolie in those movies like Tomb Raider or Mr. and Mrs. Smith or where she's a spy or a badass where she's like doing the hip sway walk where it's like I have to walk with intention but also like I'm a supermodel at the same time. I have to be a badass and sexy. Like like, which I want to say like I appreciate the fuck out of uh, of Brie Larson and out of uh, Gal Gadot for not doing that. (laughs) For 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 just walking like heroes and badass. Like not like they're being sexy as a side effect of just being a fully realized character, not like who's like not someone who's thinking I'm going to be sexy right now. Her is to like I'm going to try to be sexy because this is my perception of what sexy is. So it's like no, it, so it makes sense. <laughs> You're, you're absolutely right. Like with the posters on the wall and with her trying to idolize someone who th- she thinks is a superhero, like it actually makes a lot of sense. And it's probably much more nuanced than like it seems on, on the surface. And I, I am trying to give it more credit in a new light. Yeah. But in retrospect, because I've always made the Xena connection, yeah. <laughs> that's also a little bit, not not nearly as much, but occasionally how Xena would walk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, when she'd enter a room, yes. she'd, yeah. she would walk like that. Like, 
God. So, uh, yeah, that's There's a whole lot there. <laughs> my, it's my really stupid analysis based on watching a lot of Xena and GI yeah. and thinking about about it a lot. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I'm glad that shows the, that shows the best of those stupid shows. She met like she witnessed the birth of Jesus one year and then hung out with like Lao Tzu like 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 the next season. It's like that guy Lao Tzu was born like how many hundreds a year oh before Jesus? Like, like how many thousands? It's like, like like hey man, you can't be you can't hang out with Alexander the Great, Jesus, and fucking Lao Tzu in the same few months. Oh my god. Cena existed in old times? Old times. Yeah. <laughs> big, big old times. Also, this does have relevance directly. There is a shield connection because Lucy Lawless was in season two <laughs> for like yes. two episodes. So that's right. She's she's part of the reason why Mac got dragged into actual combat. Yep. Poor Mac. Um, I'm glad you brought some levity to this discussion because right after this, uh, Ruby throws her circle boomerang, whatever oh. Xena weapon, and Yo Yo runs right through its arc, and this is where she gets her arms cut off, and everything turns into slow motion. Like she looks down, and her arms are gone. There's blood dripping everywhere, and Mac is watching all of this happen as this robot is like trying to choke him out. And he like runs to her oh, and she collapses and oh my god, it's so horrible. Like they wrap her in a blanket really and like get her away and like Ruby and her whatever robots are left, like I don't know what happens. I don't even remember what happened to them because I was so focused on what was happening here, but they get they they leave, like the shield team leaves, and then obviously she leaves too. But well, I, I remember during the fight, right before all that happened, like when it all kind of went down after after Yo-Yo disarmed the robots, because she took all their guns and threw them in the corner. Right after that happened, uh, May uncharacteristically, I thought, like screamed. But again, I thought it was sort of like they're all just fucking burnt out. Like, like they just survived the apocalypse or prevented the future apocalypse or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 I get why it was maybe a little out of character, but she like screamed like, yeah, and just jumped at one of them and just started taking out robots left and right well, throwing them she, into each other she, like, she took care of most of them i <laughs> yeah. feel like i feel like she and she she and mac were like fighting them like and it, it was like hand-to-hand robot battles yeah. because because they they were disarmed and they didn't know they were robots at first was it mac who figured yeah, it out yeah. he, like, punched them. he punched one of them and like like part of their robot face was showing like they're they're robots and he just started like beating the shit out of it like, he and maybe both like stopped stopped going easy on Dude. them basically traumatized by the whole LMD situation. Like, of course, they would be. And he didn't like robots to start. <laughs> like, Maze, like, fuck these robots. Like, and then Mac is like, really fuck these robots even before LMDs. Oh my god. Um. Also, I forgot to mention this, but I think it. I, I don't remember. Who, is it Coulson that tries to shoot her? Or is it? I don't remember. Somebody tries to shoot Ruby in the face, and the bullets just ricochet off her mask, which I don't remember. Yeah, her, her helmet is bad. Yeah. So she's she's just kind I of. Was, I don't remember who does it. I think it, it was Coulson. I can't. I can't remember for yeah. sure. Anyway, so yeah, Yo-Yo's arms were cut off by Ruby, which we totally forgot that she's the reason for all of this. Which oh. Or when it happened exactly? I think we all knew. We we knew it was this season was all yeah. was all we knew for. Sure. I didn't realize it was and, this episode. Holy shit. And, and to, to make it, uh, oh God, I didn't mean for it to be a pun, but it is because it relates again to Xena and her weapon. <laughs> uh, I was going to say to make it full circle. Oh uh, I know that's horrible. It was not intentional. <laughs> but uh, to add a little bit of levity, I was going to say again, it's now making me re examine like every time Xena chopped off a guy's arms, it was badass. But now it's like, oh no. 
all those guys have families and shit. It's like, 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 that's traumatizing. It's fuck. Like, I never thought about that. Like, it's, it's gonna make me rethink all of like the sword and sorcery stuff oh, I've yeah. watched. Like, like anyone who survives any of that shit, like in Lord of the Rings or whatever, it's like now you got to go back to Orc Town. <laughs> it's like, well, well, yeah, life is different for me. I don't have a wizard friend who's gonna make me grow a new one or whatever. Like, like it's like, like it's, God, or like give me some like sci-fi prostheses. Oh. Yeah, but, but it's better. Yeah. <laughs> it gives me a superpower. Yeah. It's like, oh my god! No, I do. I do like they don't deal with it perfectly, but they do. They do deal with the fact that prosthetics aren't a superpower, even when they yeah. are in one of these shows that is still lost. Like, I feel like they could do a little better, and they do try to do more and more sensitively with Yo-Yo than they did initially with Colson. And I think because they didn't play it for jokes, at least, but because they didn't take time, yeah. like. And Matt has been witness to a lot of amputations because Mac's the one that cut Colson's arm off to save him. Yeah, wow. And now now his girlfriend, like partner. Why is Mac connected been... to all of these this oh god. That's weird. That's weird. It's like gonna give him a complex or something. Um, so Daisy brings Deke back to the lighthouse and they go into like the computer room and he's like, cool computers. And she's like, he's like, these are computers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was super confident and immediately was like, these are computers. right?" <laughs> <laughs> and then Noah pops out and he's like, I believe saving you is wrong. And Deke is like, oh, cool. He seems like a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah. No, this this was some of the most likable. Like, like, I I remember this is, and we even talked about. It, I think when it was coming out, like because we were very iffy on him because of how much they were pushing. I think his attraction to Daisy when they first met him yeah. and whatnot. Because because we we we're, we're reasonably wary after Lincoln, yeah. <laughs> and then having and then having Robbie like like teased and I taken know, away. I know. And and I'll give them they. I think they the correct the course corrected because of their chemistry because they are the two class clowns on the set because they're friends because they prank people yeah. and they have no sexual chemistry <laughs> I, 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 I feel like they did a really good job of of playing that like, of course correcting and making that that's what their friendship became even though even though Deke had like a crush on her it was never more than yeah. that it was never like I'm in love with you and you should be in love with me or anything yeah stupid. it's not like that gross like entitled like, yes. like nerdy white dude like the John Cusack kit syndrome yeah. Is what I think of it. Yeah. All of those movies where it's like at some point a light switch went off. I may, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before on the podcast in our last hundred episodes, but I remember uh, as a kid at one point being like rewatching uh, maybe the sure thing, one of the worst of the John Cusack uh, canon where he's just trying to get laid, yeah. I think. But thinking like all of these movies where he's the hero he's upset that the girls are superficial because they only like the popular dudes but like he only likes them because they're the good looking popular women he doesn't know yeah. them like it's like like this is insane like yeah. it's such a double standard and he's not a hero at all he's just gross yeah. <laughs> and like, like I'm so glad that I just came to that realization on my own because I feel like that's I have nothing I have nothing over anyone I've as problematic as fucked up and as and is, uh, you know, subconsciously you know prejudiced as anyone but I, I feel like that was an advantage as a teenager where I did look down on other dudes for a long time. Like, like definitely all the straight dudes I went to school with just because it was like, like, hey guys, like you, you can put you again, like circling back to what we talked about with with uh w- with the character of Ruby at the beginning. It's like there's a lot of bullshit about like teenage girls or this and that. It's like you guys are just as bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is there is there is there's a total double standard. There is no actual thing where teenage girls are anything bad. Yeah. They're just teenage girls. Exactly. Like, yeah 
and not a mon and not a monolith, not there and not just one yeah. way by any means. Yeah. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. This episode is obviously Deke is a much different character on this Earth. He's just you know very eyes open to the possibilities of feeling safe and, and comfortable. I guess. Um. But also just like <laughs> transitioning from the show's Star Lord to the show's Crane. <laughs> But I really love him and Noah's interaction here. It's like, oh, cool, you fucking suck. <laughs> no, it is, it is. It's some of like the most charming he is because he's not trying to win anyone, win anyone over or seem cool or whatever. He's just reacting to stuff. And when he is, it's like that. Yeah. It's the same energy he has in the interviews or interviews, but in the videos with uh, he's hanging out with Chloe, where he has that stupid mustache. Like, 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 <laughs> oh my god. I had like his hair and mustache combo. I, I have to find out he was playing someone from the seventies because if not, like, that's I how think he's he just cut his hair like that because we're in quarantine. <laughs> no, I just because I know everyone's playing around and shit, but just that that's one of where he landed. He just he looked like he was like in a Burt Reynolds like Lifetime movie, like like playing young Burt Reynolds or something. <laughs> also, uh, my last diversion right before we wrap up is is I just recently read that two people were offered the part of Superman in for Superman the motion picture before Christopher Reeves that turned it down. And the first person was, was James Kahn, which is weird. weird. <laughs> and like, it's just cause he was, just cause he was a big actor, but the number one actor at the time, you know, the most successful movies was the other guy they offered who also turned it down. And it was Burt Reynolds. Wow. And I was like, that wouldn't have worked for so many reasons. Cause but also, can you imagine if he actually played him, like how big of a change that would have made in our pop culture perception of Superman? Like it would have been so weird. <laughs> a, super, a Superman who's a smug asshole. <laughs> that's his vibe. It would have been so different. Oh, wow. And just like, I was going to say, it wouldn't have worked for, uh, for Superman because Superman doesn't uh, smack his lips while he chews gum all the time. And, <laughs> And have a smug, cocky smile. And uh, Burt Reynolds would have had to have shaved his mustache, yeah. as we've seen with the Henry Cable CGI mustache fiasco. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that America would have still loved Burt Reynolds if he would have shaved his mustache. Like that could have, that could have fucked everything up. So wow. yeah, that that, that would have. Thank God <laughs> he turned it down because <laughs> things are bad now. But just think of how much worse <laughs> they would be if Burt Reynolds had been Superman. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh. All right, where are we at? <laughs> we're almost done with this episode. Yeah, we are. We're wrapping up Deke. Uh, uh, yeah, so Deke, is, Deke. Deke doesn't like Noah. Noah doesn't like Deke. It's been established. Um, so May comes on comms, and she's like, I need a place to land. And Daisy's kind of joking around. She's like, hey, you'll never guess who I found. She's like, we need to land now. And she's like, whoa, okay. Um, and I had forgotten about this because it's just something that I got used to seeing. But this is the first time we see this like giant hole open up in the ocean outside of where the lighthouse is for, and that's where the Zephyr lands. It's like their landing pad. It's really cool because we get to see the Zephyr like float down into the bottom of this hole. <laughs> and when it's it's like when they go to the raft yeah. and at the end of uh, Civil War. Is that I right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of that, and I was—I've always been kind of like low-key ever since I was a kid, into that idea of of that circle where, like, the weird circle of waterfall just appears in the ocean, mm-hmm. or is, or happens to be there. And I think the first time I saw it was on a Gummy Bears episode where they meet 
a guy who ended up joining them. Gusto Gummy, the first gummy bear who didn't end in Ummy, I believe, or something very close to it, or Uffy. <laughs> what a, uh, but he was a painter, he had a talking toucan, and he lived on an island on his own, and they ended up bringing him back with the rest of them. Uh, I have distinct memories, including all of the lyrics to the theme song of every episode of Gummy Bears. For, and I haven't rewatched that shit since I was a teenager. <laughs> I, 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 I rewatched those like maybe once in reruns. I love but that show. In my brain, it, it was good. Yeah. Like it was, it, 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 I distinctly remember because Gargoyles had just come out. That's why I rewatched it. It's actually, Gargoyles is just a straight ripoff of it where they're like these mythical creatures that are the last of their kind, but then they're finding out that they're not and like kind of traveling the world, like finding other disparate groups of their survivors and, and figuring out they're not as alone as they thought. And it's kind of like, and they're all like these primary color, yeah. you know, yeah. mythical, mythical beings. <laughs> Disney's got one idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with like different shaped characters. <laughs> kind of changed totally... the mythologies a little bit. <laughs> but... I'm pretty sure if I watched whatever they have now, uh, uh, Paw Patrol or whatever. It would, it would be the yeah. same thing, only with, with rescue dogs. Yeah. I, I love that Paw Patrol had to put out a statement that they weren't kids. Oh my god, all I know! Of all the misinformation in this country. But that, that, that it's at that, it's at every fucking level yeah. that Paw Patrol is a victim of Trump's misinformation. <laughs> it's like no no stones left unturned. Well, and that it was used in like this like propaganda against like, you know, the the copaganda movement yeah oh. just pretending that cops have cop, cop media has it hard even though it's like for some reason 70 percent of our tv yeah. is about cops including like, the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this one even even now they're still there but it's just so much more in the subtext i like we you talked about it a lot when it started because it was on the it was on the forefront and i like like we mentioned you know uh daisy questioning their role and there was like a, a whole lot of like about, uh, about accountability and transparency and about what it means to actually protect people and not have some sort of other nefarious purpose or just protect yourself and keep yourself in existence it's like there there are some questions about what law enforcement meant in i think the world and in this country and it's still there but there's a whole lot more time focused on everybody's individual relationships, which is natural, and you know, time travel and shit. Aliens and robots. Yeah, it's just it's just pushed to the back burner yeah. so much that it's only it's only there in this overall theme where it's like hail is hydro. Yeah, you know, she's and, the cop, and other people yeah. are corruptible. Yeah. E- even if they're not hydro flat out, there are people who just fall into like patterns of assumption and presumption and because that's what they basically the show ends up becoming like at post uh what do you call it? winter soldier i feel like it's a, it, the whole recurring theme is that they are good guy cops who have become profiled they're now thought to be bad <laughs> like, like it's yeah. basically like about about pro the the justice system profiling people or mischaracterizing people and, and assuming shit that's totally wrong and getting it wrong but also i feel like when they do become shield again and they're like a public entity again it's like like they're they're under fire from the public again reasonably so because oh yeah like their funding is going towards this type of policing with this you know and it's super like um xenophobic because it's dealing with inhumans and things like that but like the fact that they're back where they're at now because shield 
failed <laughs> in, in that sense of like being able to be like this publicly funded police force that like protects, you know, protect it's protecting a marginalized community, but they were able to, you know, the government was able to spin it in a way that was like, you know, that it's actually hurting the greater public. And it's like, oh, well, that's a commentary right there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So I don't, there's like two, I don't know, there's two sides of this. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, this is being made in a white supremacist system that benefits from having like law enforcement and things like that to like you know manage the status quo and so it's like you can only be so subversive (laughs) before it's like oh well we're actually screwing ourselves over you know what i mean so i don't know it's there's there's a couple lines next episode that colson says like that we'll talk about then but i think it it, colson especially toes that line really Mm, I don't know. He, yeah, because well, he feels like he, he he his attitude of their necessity. Yeah, toes that line. Yes. I think. And uh, uh, my last thought on it is something I know I mentioned before because I because I exposed myself and very quickly binged both these shows while in quarantine. Yeah, and I wouldn't have otherwise. But uh, the like Blind Spot and Blacklist both occur to me as being shows that are like Shield our parents <laughs> like sort of but but like they're the thing that they all have in common more than just spy stuff is the bad guys are in in power in our federal government yeah yeah and i mean and that's not even sort of pretend anymore i know it never was but now it's just like obvious now yeah. it's like super villains not even not 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 top secret spies we're not in a in, in a uh, jason bourne movie anymore yeah. we're in fucking james bond only yeah. with blofeld is the president <laughs> it's, it's oh, fucked up yeah um so uh yo-yo goes into surgery and we have this really like sad dramatic like sequence slash montage of Gemma trying to fix her up the best she can and Yo-Yo's like has her little oxygen mask on it's just really really upsetting and really sad um if we do a slow motion montage where everything is really dramatic and ruby's walking with intention like i was talking about (laughs) (laughs) she's like taking off her mask and we realize that you know oh it's revealed that it was ruby who's like this ruthless killer which i don't think Uh, was a i don't think they did a good job at the time because they promoted that dove cameron was going to be in the show it was clear i feel like even even without us having seen it and knowing it like we do now with the rewatch, I th- I feel like in the first watch it wasn't a wasn't a satisfying reveal anyway. Because like who else was it going to yeah. fucking be? Not our mom. Yeah. It wasn't going to be General Hale. <laughs> yeah, and obviously like it was a female person, and you know small enough to be Dove Cameron sized. Like it was just yeah, it was pretty obvious. Um, so she returns from her mission as mask girl, as I say in the notes, and Hale is not happy with her because she's like, uh, you didn't capture S.H.I.E.L.D., what the hell? Um, and she's like, well, Daisy Johnson wasn't there, and you promised me Daisy Johnson. She's being this, like, you know, bratty teenager role right here. Um, and her line, so she starts off as a bratty teenager, and then she turns into a psychopath. She's like, maybe if I keep cutting her friend's arms off, she'll show up, and we can get her. Like, what the fuck? Um and this is where we find out that her bedroom is in this base and Hale locks her in her bedroom. Yeah, the door is like a vault. <laughs> and the door is like a vault door. Yeah, and there's guards there like waiting like, oh, dude. So, yeah, this is this is not great. Um, so back at the base, um, they're 
um, Fitz and Daisy and Noah are putting this beacon away into the storeroom and um, they're like, oh yeah, it should cool down soon. Like we should be good. And then Noah's like, guys, it's not cooling down. It's not cooling down. Run, run. And they're like, oh shit. And so he like pushes them out the door and he runs back and he jumps on top of the beacon and then it blows up. No, he does. He redeems himself. He's, <laughs> and it's why I said before, it's like, he's douchey, but I don't think he was actually out to get them or whatever he was just uptight and i almost get the feeling too like like his character i don't know he because we've had an arc that we get to see more of you know uh for enoch and i feel like he had the potential to grow like to be one of those characters yeah. that like in, in when they're not a robot it's uptight but ends up warming to the character to, to the cast it's like well, yeah but he would have become like oh i'm and i'm interacting with humans so now i i am more appreciative of like, yeah. what humans are and you know how they're how they are like kind of like what Enoch went through and, and honestly like I, I I would dig a, a chance to see a robot character that doesn't have the Enoch thing where they inadvertently are human because they want friends or they explicitly are data or Pinocchio or whatever want or vision in the comics where they want to be human like, like yeah. I, I think it'd be cool to have a, a robot that that gets along with people but is also kind of cool with being a robot like they do have a character in marvel in the comics who i hope to see introduced uh at some point in the mcu who's named aaron stack and he's the machine man he was a realistic looking android but who can like also stretch but like when he does you can see like corrugated metal <laughs> like, 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 like if you like extends his arms you see like uh, like a they would look like a giant cable connecting the two pieces yeah. and and he doesn't have like normal eyes like yeah like instead of like he has like aviators sunglass size like bulbs oh. uh, <laughs> instead of eyes that are red and his first appearance is uh is a jack kirby comic where he, it was an issue of 2001 where it was an anthology title where it started with an adaptation of the movie of 2001 Space Odyssey. So he originally appeared in 2001 in a 2001 comic and he's this he he's a character who's was initially outside the Marvel mainstream but ended up joining it like like a lot of Kirby's characters like the Eternals in the upcoming film but he uh, you know he's part of Shield at different points and he's an ally of Monica Rambeau from uh, oh, cool. uh Captain Marvel and uh, was on a team with her, and it was a really, a really, really funny and weird, surreal comic called Next Wave Agents of Hate instead of Agents of Shield. And wow, is that an acronym? Yeah, it is. And and, <laughs> and their Nick Fury is named Dirk Anger, <laughs> and and it's like it's super absurd and funny. But uh, he he does get along with humans kind of marginally. Like he is like proud of being a robot and refers to humans as like flesh bags, but like doesn't want to be a human at all. Like he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't have any aspirations of humanity. It's like he feels like he's superior, but also knows that that's not cool because of like because of Max thing, because of all the media, you know, with robots trying to take over. Yeah. He doesn't want to take over. He just is happy being superior to people and yeah. hanging out with people and and robots and aliens and everything else. And like, it's an interesting character. And like, I feel like he has a little bit of the same vibe. Like what 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 like what little we saw of Noah is a similar vibe where it's like he didn't have contempt of humans like some robots, yeah. but he also had, he wasn't Ada. He wasn't like, or, yeah. you, or even Enoch, who like, I feel like yeah. his humanity was incidental. 
where it wasn't like, I want to be a human. It was more like, humans are cool. Like, I like things about them. I don't want to interact with them more than I need to. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. It's, uh, again, they do a good job even with when they do, when they are using something very, uh, uh, in a very small capacity, in a very, very briefly. I think they, they have, have given him a, a tiny arc, you know, where he's a douche about yeah. the computer screen, but then he still saves their lives. So I, I, I do appreciate that work they, they put in. Agreed. Uh, very unseen. We go to Philadelphia and there is a dude running and he has his hood up. Uh, it's our friend Creel. Um, and I remember like screaming when he <laughs> took his off because I was like, what? He's still around? I totally forgot about him. We haven't seen him since the beginning of like season four. Yeah. And he's pretty cool in, in the comics. Crusher Creel. He's yeah. weirdly, he was made into Hulk's dad in the Ang Lee movie, oh, but he's God, the absorbing man. And he, he what yeah. he caught, he, uh, he's potentially in the comics extremely powerful and as we see in this weird part of the season when they bring back a bunch of stuff from the first season uh mm-hmm. he is uh pretty important yeah he is was aiden quinn uh, is that right is that the guy yes. from the first season who's coming up soon, uh, coming no, up soon? Ian. ian quinn ian. Brian, <laughs> brian brian quinn is my made-up version of him <laughs> yes um so hale pulls up in a black unmarked car and is like hey uh putting together a team uh you should join us and he's kind of like um didn't work out so well i don't want to be like a government hitman and she's like no no it's not like that and so he gets in the car but very reluctantly because he kind of knows he has no choice (laughs) it's like he can't really say no it's not like that it's not like that i'm gonna give you a really nice room in a vault (laughs) yeah yeah it's yeah, it's not a hey. Do you want to join the team? It's like you're joining the team, or I'm put I'm locking you up type of situation. Which yeah. Um. So yeah, that's the episode. Yeah, that <laughs> it, it was a uh, jam packed. Uh, wasn't that emotional? I felt like until the end with the yo yo thing, but yeah. it was extremely emotional in the last few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's like bookmarked, or uh, I guess book ended is the word I'm looking for by these like really like weird silly things i guess like with deacon daisy and so it's just interesting they do a really good job of being able to have that light-hearted like ironic like kind of deadpan humor and then immediately go into like a really serious emotional situation like with yo-yo and then like come back in and out of that i think um i think that's a testament to like the editing and the writing agreed they just, they are, they're able to to kind of flip the switch really easily i like that because not all Marvel is good at that. <laughs> not all TV is good at that. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I feel like that was my criticism, I think, overall in retrospect of the Netflix shows that I've watched, which is most of them. I didn't finish Punisher and maybe the last season of Jessica Jones, if there was a last season. Yeah, if there was a season three, yeah, it was I, not good. Well, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't watch that one. Uh, I don't think. But they, what, what do you call it? I, I, I feel like overall they didn't manage the tone well like that's something yeah. that, that the better films do really well I mean all the films I think strive to do I think it's something that Fee works on is something that shield does like you said it excels at that going back and forth on on the tone and the Netflix stuff just wallowed in the sadness like the, there were there was funny stuff and that's a testament to the creators who did a good job and the performances that were high quality. But at the same time, it's like overall they were just like oppressive, and yeah. I'd never get that vibe with Shield. I mean, maybe a couple individual episodes, but even for the most part, even the downer episodes have upper moments. Like you said, they do a good job of of transitioning where it doesn't feel jarring, and just making sure that there's something 
of both in in every episode. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, I feel like that too is just like kind of the acting style of what Chloe Bennett and Clark Gregg are. Kind of, I guess all of them really kind of bring to the table too, because yeah, Ming Na is really good at it. She's a really good comedic actor too. That's able to kind of like pull it back and be like serious and emotional easily. I don't know. It's they're just they're just they do a good job. All of them. They do. Um, let's end here. Yeah, absolutely. We we went a little long on this one because we had a lot of uh, side stuff that was relevant and a little bit of diversion that less so <laughs> on my part. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's been a while since we've had episodes like that. So um, where can people find you? Um, I can be found occasionally at I Snow Nothing. A little bit offline since Brittany Ginsburg died again uh, yeah. on Twitter. Uh, where do you prefer to be found? Uh, same here. Have not been online a lot, but I can be found at uh, Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. Uh, you can find this podcast at Project Tahiti on Twitter. Uh, we're on all the podcatchers. You should go to butwhythopodcast.com. We do post embeds for episodes there. And uh, if you don't read the um, episode notes, uh, you should definitely do that because you do a really good job of, <laughs> of doing a write-up of, of what we talk about. And um, I've been posting those in the But Why Though posts uh, more recently, too. Um, so thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti, Magical Place. Catch you later. Bye. <laughs>